Well, hey everyone. Good morning and welcome to the lake that Resurrection City Church is having our uh, our service at here. I'm used to saying welcome to Res City, but we're not really at Res City right now. Um, my name is Joel. In case you're you're here visiting, maybe you're you're here for the baptism specifically. Maybe you're visiting in similar capacity. Just, um, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm really thankful to have you uh, join us. Um, you know, Sunday's always a special day um, when we gather together to worship God, I think. Um, but today is, is clearly extra special um, because of what we're going to be doing uh, after we finish up some worship and, and just a slow reflection we're going to have. Um, and um, just very thankful to have you joining us here for, for something that is, is you know, it, it's, it's a moment f- for some somebody or some people, um, but really it's a, it's a community moment because um, whenever a baptism happens, it's a, it's, it's a product of a whole community of people um, working together, being together, being a family. And so um, this is, I think, just really exciting for us all to be here because it's, it's, it's a celebration for all of us. Um, and, and I'm really excited about that. We're, we're, we're celebrating um, this important moment um, where we kind of recognize that God has made someone someone holy. He's washed them clean. Um, and we're kind of recognizing that in a, in a symbolic way through this, this very ancient tradition uh, of baptism, something that goes back, you know, thousands and thousands of years that the church has been doing uh, to signify what God does in the hearts of people. And so it's just a really exciting thing for us, I think, to, 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 to get to do this every single summer. Um, we have been in a series this summer through the book of First Corinthians, um, doing a series called Becoming Who We Are. And we're going to kind of, like, you know, nominally, we're going to spend a little time in a, in a section of First Corinthians today. But I, I picked something out. We're getting all out of order. I'm going to drop us kind of in the middle of a very dense passage where baptism comes up. And we're going to talk just a little bit about that, make some quick reflections on it. Uh, I apologize. You will be very confused as I read it. Um, but I will explain a little bit of it, and we'll get back to the rest of it. Um, but I want to be quick because I really do think the baptism itself is actually the real sermon uh, on a baptism Sunday. So we're, we're going to get to that. L- let me pray for us real quick. I'll read the passage, and then uh, we'll get started. Lord, thank you for what is, is, is happening this morning, God. We're very thankful to be able to be a part of it. I pray that you would bless our time here. Keep the rain away um, while we gather. Help us to be able to enjoy some good weather and, and um, you just bless our time. As, as, and let, let your presence be with us, God. Um, as always, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's the passage. It's 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 18, and I'm going to skip ahead to verses 31 to 33. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food, and all of them drank the same spiritual water. For they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These things happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. 
Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble as some of them did and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happen to them as examples for us. They are written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I am saying is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we sharing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Think about the people of Israel. Weren't they united by eating the sacrifices at the altar? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that they may, so that many may be saved. All right, so like I said, you're probably very confused at that passage. I'll just give you a little bit of context. And um, basically what's going on is it seems like this Corinthian church, this group of people that the Apostle Paul's writing to, um, have taken these two very historic and fundamental sacraments or ordinance, ordinances is what the church typically calls them, of, of baptism, which we're doing today, and then the Lord's Supper, communion, or the Eucharist, depending on whatever tradition you grew up in. And they were treating them as if they were almost magic. And if they did those things, they could kind of go do whatever they wanted afterwards. They could kind of go to you know, not be influenced by the normal idolatry of their day, like eating at pagan temples. And it was a kind of a form of, of magical thinking, really. I don't know if that's a term you're familiar with. I think it's, a, it's like a, a term psychologists like to use. It basically is like when a person believes that specific words, thoughts, emotions, or rituals can influence the external world, either intentionally or unintentionally, when there's no real reason to think that they would. Um, they're kind of beliefs about causality that lack any empirical basis. Right, so an example of this would be, I find myself sometimes when I go to Twins games thinking, if I, they won the last time I went, what shirt was, which Twins shirt was I wearing? Because I have a few of them, and I'm like, maybe I should wear that one again because it's good luck. And then you start to think, well, no, the Twins are pr- probably going to lose no matter what shirt I wear, um, so that doesn't really matter, right? Or I don't know, there's other things like that, you know. You know, crystals are kind of in right now. I think sometimes that can be kind of magical thinking or certain, you know, uh, um, supplements that we might want to take, right? Stuff like this. We think we take it. We think in doing so that it will protect us in some way when really there's really no good reason to think it is. But we like the sort of, I think, um, protection or security or, or comfort or a sense of control we have when we do something like that, right? Um, and I think that something like that is probably going on with, with the Corinthians. Um, and so Paul wants to get them to think a little bit. He wants to sort of kind of push back on this line of thinking. And he does so by recounting the history of Israel. He kind of uh, recounts the history of their forefathers. Um, and even though the Corinthians are, are mostly not Jewish, he thinks of these the people of Israel who, who um, you know, uh, went through the whole Exodus story are actually 
their, their forefathers because of the gospel. And he wants them to learn from their example, but it's kind of a negative example, right? Like of what not to do. It's a bit of a warning. He says, don't make the mistake of neglecting this history that you're now rooted in because of the gospel, right? In this incredibly famous and important moment of the Exodus where they have been led out of slavery um, to ratify covenant with God. And things seem like they're starting out really good, but if you know the rest of the story after that, you know it doesn't really continue on that track. And Paul says in verse 7 that these things happened as a warning or a pattern or a type of thing for us so that we would not crave evil things as they did, right? And he kind of makes some connections between what the Corinthians are thinking and what was going on for the people of Israel. So he says, well, you know, you got baptized. You went in the water as a sort of beginning of the story. And that was true of the, the people of Israel. They had been baptized, so to speak, into their leader, Moses, Right? They passed through the water of the Red Sea, just like you passed through the water in baptism and came out the other end. Right? And you eat, you eat food, you eat c- in communion when you gather together. Right? It's a spiritual kind of food. Well, they also ate spiritual food, food given by God. If you know the story, God sent um, bread from heaven, manna, something to sustain them as he led them deeper and deeper into uh, the wilderness. And, 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 and we drink of the cup of, um, of communion, and, and they also drank something that you could call spiritual. They drank from a, wa- a rock that burst forth water for them at God's direction, just like uh, w- w- we do so. And this, so this was all true for them, right? This is how their story kind of began. This is, this is how it had started for them, right? And you would think maybe that this, all this stuff that had happened at the beginning would mean everything was going to proceed perfectly. There was going to be no issues, no bumps along the way, that everything was going to go perfectly, and, and it turns out that for them, the consistency of living in line with those sacraments, those ordinances that had happened to them, that mattered just as much as actually doing them. There had to be some follow-through that went with it. It wasn't something magic that happened that they could just rely on for the rest of their time, right? You can't do the least amount of work possible at the end of the day, just kind of showing up at the beginning and still get 100% of the reward. And I think that's a temptation that we all kind of face, right? To think, well, we we did something at the beginning, we jumped over a hurdle at the beginning, and now we can kind of coast from there, right? And that had happened with the people of Israel, but as we see in their story, they kind of mail it in for the rest of their time, and we see that, you know, because of that, God was not pleased with them, Paul says in verse 5, and their bodies were scattered in the wilderness, meaning they didn't make it out of there, Right? They didn't get to see God's ultimate f- promises fulfilled because despite being baptized and taking communion in their own way, they were still big-time idolaters. Their lives were not consistent with the destination that had been set in their baptism and that it seemed like was supposed to be being followed as they took communion. Right? Like a path that starts out kind of headed in the right direction. Right? It's, it's the trajectory's right. But as you go along further, you find out it's very crooked and it veers off path and sometimes it heads in the complete opposite direction of where it started. All right, and so baptism, the thing that we're celebrating today, is a moment in the Christian life that is incredibly important. It's like an Exodus type of moment for someone. But it's not magic either. It's not magic, right? It's not something that you can do and then feel like you'll be saved while you allow yourself to go and be kind of unthinkingly influenced by all the idols that you might ever want to be. It's not some, some spiritual high 
that you can get in one season and then try to coast on that momentum for the rest of your life, right? You can't, you can't eat a salad one time and then eat Skittles for the rest of your life as your only meal and expect to be healthy, right? That's kind of, I think, how you can think about this, right? If you remember, in a, a few, few months ago, we did a sermon series. We talked a little bit about what idolatry is, and we talked about how you become like what you worship, like continually going to something and allowing yourself to be influenced by it in worship causes you to become like the thing that you're worshiping, okay? And idols are things that or anything that we can kind of start to put our identity into, to start to think that this thing, by, by me giving it my allegiance or my attention or my focus, is going to give me some sort of identity that is my ultimate identity. That's really what an, an idol is. And, and Paul says that there comes a point where God may say, despite being baptized, despite regular partaking in communion, right, that you become so much like some idol, you're so disinterested in becoming who you actually are in Jesus, like we've been talking about in this sermon series, that he will allow the consequences of that to play out, right? And that's what happened to Israel in the wilderness. Now, I think as we kind of think about what Paul says and we kind of think a little bit about what's happening today, I just think there's a few, just three different reflections I wanted to make today for us as we kind of close this out. Um, the first one is, is for people that are getting baptized today. I'm urging you, based on this, continue on in the pattern that you're setting today. Continue in a, on in the pattern of grace, of trust, of resolve to follow Jesus and honor God, to accept what is a, is a radical thing, to follow after Jesus and commit to him. And do it by making today not just a one-time event, but really a pattern that you're going to live the rest of your life, right? Celebrate that. Cherish it. But don't just become baptized today. Don't just immerse yourself in God today, but be baptized every day by immersing yourself in God's love and his spirit and the word. Okay, I think lots of Christians start well, but we do find it's a struggle to continue on in that pattern, right? There's nothing magic about baptism. It's really about setting a pattern of living a certain way from this moment until your last breath. Okay, second thought, second reflection, maybe for those of us who have been baptized already, okay? Now, earlier when Julie was giving her call to worship, she kind of said, you know, today makes me think of my own baptism, right? It kind of brought her back and uh, as a reminder of what she was feeling in that time. And I'm, I know she didn't unpack it a whole lot, but I imagine when she says that, she, she thinks about, what, what was I feeling? What, how, I, w- I, I, I was so committed to this that I was willing to, to, to do this, this big, you know, and some, sometimes it's a scary thing to get a, in front of a bunch of people, right? To give your testimony, to be the center of attention. Some people love it. I know some people, I've done this baptism thing a lot. It it's, can be kind of scary for some people to do this. Um, but there was something that was going on in her life that made her, and, and I would say the same for me too, that um, was made me willing to, to do that, right? Well, as we reflect on our baptism and we get back into that minds, mi- mindset, I think it can be helpful to set that mindset and try to recapture that, right? To not just want that to be something that we did in our past and we think back on it fondly, but we want to enter back into that mindset on a regular basis, All right? So if you've been baptized today already, think back to what you were feeling in that moment, right? Were you excited? Think about the meaning that was filled, you know, uh, w- that was filled in that time, right? Think about how you wanted to truly dedicate yourself to Jesus, right? And, and don't grow weary of running that race that you started in your own baptism, 
right? Don't get lazy in how you interact with things that could turn into idols. Don't forget the fervor you once had in your own baptism, okay? Don't just think you can coast now on that experience or maybe some other good experience you had in your past. When you were baptized, you committed to Jesus as Lord to follow after him as an apprentice, right? As we move forward in life, we see this as a reality, like the emotional highs run out, right? It's tough to sustain this every day. But we have to find out what it looks like for us to continue to move in that pattern that was set when we first chose to dedicate ourselves to Jesus and follow him in baptism. All right, third and last reflection here to both groups, people getting baptized today and those of us who have already been baptized. Okay, the call to follow Jesus is not one that comes with the promise of being easy, right? If we think back to the analogy that, that Paul gives or this pattern, he's talking about a people who, who hey, this happens to, but then they go into the wilderness where they're forced to rely on God in the midst of trials and temptations, right? Following after Jesus the rest of our life is like that, right? We're entering into a place where it is it is difficult. It's, it, it, it's easy to not endure in some way, right? And we see challenge and discomfort so often, I think, as a sign that there's some problem and we just want to avoid it, right? We tend to think of that as a reason to not endure sometimes, okay? But think about what Paul says in verses 12 to 13. He makes it sound like temptations and trials are supposed to be common and expected. And when we go through them, it's not something unique. It's something everyone who follows after Jesus is going to go through, right? Ultimately, the life of a baptized holy one is marked by these testing and trials. Paul says this in verses 12 to 13, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You know, this is kind of a famous passage. Uh, it's one of the well, most well-known in 1 Corinthians, I would imagine. Um, and the Greek word there used for temptation, it's often translated temptation, but it's a Greek word that can mean temptation and also like test or trial, right? And, and you can think of an example of it in Jesus in, in the wilderness himself, right? He had been baptized, and he had had the Holy Spirit come rest on him. He'd been commissioned for this, um, th- th- this, this task that he'd been called to do, especially by God. And the first thing he does is he goes out into the wilderness, just like Israel did, and he's tempted by Satan out there. This trial that he goes through, this test that he goes through out in the wilderness. Right? And I think we all are going through that throughout our whole lives. That's an experience we're all going through. Right? We are challenged to forgo God's way, to forgo his presence, to forgo his gospel and trusting him, right? And, and choosing to put our trust in something else. And Paul is saying that God will keep these trials from being beyond what we can endure. That's what's going on in this passage. Now, I don't know if it means in every single instance that we can expect there to be some way out. Like, it, I don't know if it's something so small as like you're, you're really mad and you want to snap back at, at someone, right? And, and th- th- a dog is going to come along and distract you before you get a chance to do it. I don't know if it's that granular. I think it's a little bit bigger probably. When you think about the context of this passage, like the Corinthians are people who've recently come to faith and um, that faith is asking them to not, not live in the normal patterns that they had been previously in. 
Okay, now one of those things was regular idol worship. In the ancient world, idol worship is a very community feature. Like the idol, the, 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 the pagan temples is where you got your food a lot of times. It was a place where, you know, big festivals were going on. And, and Paul has challenged them to live a different way, to not be a part of the pagan idol worship that's going on around them. Now that's going to open them up to stigma and ostracization and, and, and FOMO, right, from the people around them. It's going to entail a lot of that. It's a constant trial that they're living in. And the temptation would be to go back to life as before, to try to find the easy, comfortable path instead of committing fully to try to worship Jesus um, over these idols. To try, uh, or maybe to try to do both, to maybe try to serve two masters. Okay? So they're living in this constant trial. Okay? We're going to have opportunities to do the same thing. We're going to find ourselves... Tr- tempted and, and put through the same kinds of trials. And the question is, are we going to endure? Are we going to choose the normal, easy, easy path of comfort to try to avoid the trial and get off this trajectory that has been set in our baptism? I think what Paul's talking about here is this. Okay, when we're in a season of maybe intense trial or testing or temptation, where we're in some wilderness, where every day feels like a struggle, where we're not sure if we're going to make it through the intensity of the daily pull, that God is going to bring that to an end and offer us a way out of it. It's supposed to give us hope, I think, that even in those challenging situations, God will still offer us a way out. And when that end comes, you'll find yourself still walking in a way that follows Jesus. It's consistent with your baptism and with the communion bread and cup that you eat every single week. Okay? So I think the, Paul, the way that Paul sees it, we can kind of sum all this up. The way that Paul sees it is this. The God in whom we've been baptized or will be baptized into, he's faithful. He will provide us help through these kinds of trials and temptations and will offer us a way to endure through the hardship. And what that looks like for us, I think Paul says in verse 31, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It's a good way to dedicate yourself. Whether you're being baptized today, you've been baptized, um, and you're looking to be consistent in that, the best way to do it is to just ask, how do I give glory to God in this thing? It's as simple and I really think as difficult as that. So let me pray for us. Uh, And also offer an invitation to anyone here who wasn't planning on getting baptized but would like to do so. We uh, would love to do any sort of spontaneous baptism. So if that's something you're interested in doing, um, during this next worship set, come find me or Julie, and we will will see if if, if that's um, something we should do or not, okay? All right, let me pray, and then we'll go into a time of worship. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful. Lord, as, as we follow you, as we commit to following after you, you ensure that we will see it through, God, that you will offer us ways out of the trials and the temptations that come uh, from following after your son, Jesus, Lord, the challenges that we have to endure in, Lord, because we know that you went through the same trials and temptations that we do. After your own baptism, that's exactly what took place. Lord, you understand you're, you're, you're tender, you're gentle with us, you're understanding of what we're going through, and you offer us a way out of it, Lord. I pray for those of us today who have been baptized, that you would help us to reflect back on those moments that we, um, we made the same, we did the same thing that's t- taking place today, Lord. Bring us back into what it was like to experience that, 
so that we may um, be reminded, Lord, of our dedication, our commitment to follow after you, Lord. And help us to know what it looks like to do it, to give glory to you, Lord, in whatever small or large things that we're going through uh, in the moment we're in, Lord. And I pray for those who are being baptized today that you would, um, as we surround them, God, as we celebrate what you have done in their lives, um, I pray that you would, uh, you would start a trajectory today that will be seen to completion, Lord. You'd be seen to completion, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.